Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson, a day late and a dollar short, as they say, but it's been kind of a busy week, uh, getting ready for Cowboy Tough, leaving on Wednesday morning, um, trying to get out and do some vetting for Rogaine World Championships, and geez, there's actually some real life stuff in there too, so... Um, hey, just to make it fair, next week is going to be late too because um, it'll be from Cowboy Tough and I won't be home till Sunday night. <clears throat> so um, this week's guest, James Thurlow, is somebody that I hadn't met. He actually uh, sent me an email and said, hey, how about me? And uh, I'm glad he did. He's the race director for the uh, ITERA World Series race coming up next month, but a lot more than that um i kind of expected that we would be talking about uh, the race and you know what goes on with it and where it's at that kind of stuff and we did but the the other things that we got into the sort of the business end and the media end and the um the fact that james has type 1 diabetes um and is still as nuts as the rest of us was uh really cool really pretty fascinating so um, he's an interesting guy, so I think you'll enjoy it. Um, let's see. Let's do a little house cleaning. You know, if you got a chance, you can go to iTunes. Uh, you know, give me a 15-star review or something like that. That would be nice. You can also go to uh, the Adventure Race World at Potomatic.com. I think that's what it is. And you can follow me there. That kind of helps with the rankings. It's doesn't do much, but it makes you feel good. Um, I'm uh, still looking for some sponsors for the podcast. We don't have a lot of expense. We spend a lot of time, but not much money. But we do have some bandwidth and things like that. So um, if you wanted to be a sponsor, that's good. If you wanted to just go to PayPal and send a donation to films at gmail.com, um, I'll bet you I'd give you a shout-out on the podcast. So... Um, I don't think we have too much else going on. Um, like I said, I'll be going to Cowboy Tough next week. Probably be doing a lot of audio stuff from there. I'll be kind of in charge of the daily updates and things like that. So um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes along with the iTerra and along with uh, something from James, but you'll have to click on that to see. So... Um, Go fast, take chances. Oh, there is one other thing. If by chance you're coming to Rogaine Worlds in South Dakota in August and you've been thinking about getting a new pack from Mike Closure and out there USA, uh, I've talked to Mike. If you want to just go ahead and order it, he's got some special deals this week or this month, um, and you can have it. He'll just ship it here, and I can bring it to the race for you. So, um Hey, they're great packs, so if you've been waiting for one, now's your chance. So now go fast and take chances, and uh, let's listen to James. Thanks. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. can you hear me? Yes, you sound really good. Okay, good stuff. Excellent. So are you pulled over on the side of the highway? or? Yeah, and uh, I'm on the motorways, which are kind of like a, you know, the big, big roads going up through the country, and they've got service stations, which have got free Wi-Fi. So I just... Uh, oh. Pulled into one of those and locked onto the Wi-Fi. So that's the easiest way of doing it. Well, I think that's probably a first on the podcast. I had, <laughs> Mike Closure called me on his phone from the airport between flights, but um, this is the first. So cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of uh, I thought about it and I thought when we were going to do this, and I did hear that one from Mike Closure, and that was obviously a difficult conversation yeah. you were having there with him in the airport. And I thought, yeah. 
actually. I, we it, could do it. It's kind of funny because, you know, Mike only lives about 300 miles from me down in Colorado. <laughs> and we had the most trouble trying to find yeah. a time to talk. It's yeah. like people in England and Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, that's no problem. But yeah. <laughs> get the local guy in. <laughs> I know. I know so when I, I did, I took part in the, um, the AL World Champs. Um, uh -huh. you know, the meeting with the race directors and uh, the same thing happened there. And uh, I, I knew that if I was going to really have any input, as difficult as it was me not being in Costa Rica, I needed to yeah. get a good Skype conversation, you know, Skype call and yeah. found a quiet mm -hmm. corner of a hotel and just sat there and it, God, blimey, that meeting went on for hours. <laughs> just, oh. <laughs> I was probably yeah. about the only person who snuck out of the room to go <laughs> two or three times and nobody noticed. And I don't, oh. don't think I missed much half the time. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, um, well, why don't you tell us who you are? Because I'm guessing a lot of people <laughs> don't don't know. <laughs> don't know. Um, so, um, uh, well... Uh, who am I? I'm uh, I'm the race director for uh, for the Itera Adventure Race, um, and I run a an adventure sports company here in the UK called Open Adventure. Um, so Itera is a brand which I've kind of created, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. We uh, we put on the Adidas Terex event uh, for a number of years, and um, you know that was a three year contract thing which we had yeah. with Adidas and. Uh, Terex was their brand. It was a brand of the outdoor clothing brand which they they had, and so obviously we couldn't couldn't carry that once the three year thing had ended, and so we came up with the Itera. So yeah, that, that's who I am, and I run a number of other events as well, um, from road sportifs to ultra runs. Um, I do events for other companies as well, um, and we do. Lots of other bits and pieces, and as you might be aware, you know, we do the tracking, we do the live website for the world champs, and a few other events. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of uh, we do a few different bits and pieces. We hire out quite a bit of kit here in the UK to events. So, yeah, fingers in a lot of pies, I suppose, in some ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> that's the only way to do it anymore, right? I mean, if you don't have 15 things going on minimally, <laughs> you, how do you make a living, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, I, I mean, I don't, you, it's very difficult to make a, you know, a business out of just adventure racing. And yeah. uh, I mean, even if you look at what Craig and Louise are doing, you know, I mean, they, they run Track Me Live as well, um, you know, as a side business as well. And, you know, it's, a, it's um, you kind of need to diversify a little bit and, uh, and also, you know, we've had events which have gone down and we've, you know, we've, we've started new events and other things have dropped off. And I think if you've just got everything into one basket, then, um, you know, you, you, you really, you know, you, things could go badly wrong. And, and you know, that, that's happened to us. We've yeah. had events which have, have not worked out as we thought and we've had to, to cancel them. And so, um, yeah, it's important to kind of diversify. I think it was, as in day we're a business, um, uh, I joke about it. I mean, we're supposed to be making a profit, but we don't do a very good job of it. We, uh... yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a non-profit, but you don't mean to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always um, hard ticking that box on the application forms for permissions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So do you think that that's, that's the way adventure racing is going is for profit businesses doing them? Um, I mean, there's a few, you know, untamed with grants, pretty much all volunteer and it's a really yeah. well done race but that's certainly seems to be in the minority now i, I think i mean we're uh, on the whole to be honest mo i mean although we're a profit making company you know we we totally rely on volunteers to yeah. our events um you know uh, and we're very transparent about that everybody you know we we pay our technical staff so where we need mm. um a, somebody to supervise some safety aspect of the event we, we yeah. will pay them for that but uh, you know on the whole, pretty much everybody is volunteers. Um, yeah. In terms of, you know, that kind of, I suppose, if you compare something like Raid in France or what they're doing in in um, in Portugal against what we're doing, I think I think it's very country specific, and it depends on 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 the kind of movement which is going on in the country. Um, but here in the UK, there's about four or five companies which run adventure sports types of events, mm -hmm. include Ireland. There's there's quite a few more over there. Um, there's not really a um, there's not really a club scene. 
Um, and and even within, if you look at something like I'm involved with ultra running as well, and even from that scene, that that pretty much is is not run by clubs now. That's just run by event companies like mine. Um, so, whereas if you go to the the 10k runs around the towns, and they will be run by a mixture of kind of businesses and cl- and clubs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it is a full time job putting on an adventure race, and no doubt about that. So, I mean, how do you do it if you're not getting paid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Right. And I employ somebody as well. I've got Nikki who works for me, and my wife um, works pretty much full time in the office as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. No. Definitely. It's um, if we're gonna kind of make it sustainable, uh, it needs to earn a bit of money out of it um that that's the tricky bit really um and that's um yeah how, how do you make that work really so yeah, yeah. There, there's no magic answer i've been doing it for 10 years and i still haven't got it worked out and i'm not making a mint <laughs> so. yeah. well i mean you know what you you don't have to but you do have to be able to make a living yeah yeah no definitely yeah. and and you know i've got five-year-old kids now as well and um, so uh, you know the expenses going out of the door are, are sort of sh- yeah. shot up a little bit in the last five yeah. years. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. All... I suppose they want to eat every day, right? Yeah, they do. They do like to eat. I've got twins, one of each. So um, oh, wow. yeah, they're um, they're they're fairly uh, they're fairly active and um, they yeah. need to get out on their bikes and they like uh, like coming to the races. Actually, they love the races and the and when they come along to events, most of the the competitors in the UK know my my kids so it's great great fun actually they love it so yeah good. that's that that's what i i really enjoy is that uh the family aspect which you are uh, literally have the family aspect yes. of adventure racing yeah so. yeah no i mean rightly or wrongly you know we can leave them to run around a, a registration area and you know yeah. some of the competitors will keep an eye on them so <laughs> we kind of don't need to worry about them really yeah <laughs> well it, it's not kids but um <laughs> You know, I'm going to Cowboy Tough next week in Wyoming, uh-huh. and I'm taking the chili dog, which I think most adventure racers or anybody who knows me knows knows yeah. the chili dog. So that's <laughs> going to be. She's she's really good. You know, we'll go shoot a race, and she just she'll just lay down and oh, that's great. You know, sleep yeah. for. She was I was shot a hundred miler last weekend, uh-huh. and, there's, and we were at a creek crossing, and a guy stopped tie his shoes and he was standing right beside her and he never even saw her so <laughs> she's she's not too much of a problem but that's great uh, yeah so um what's what's the adventure race scene like in in great britain is it is it growing um, <sighs> how do you see it there or is it is, I, it, know, is it not not growing <laughs> it's it's changed i think it's probably the right words um yeah. you know um a number of years ago there, there was a lot uh, these kind of like three hour type events, which were a mixture of either navigation or non navigation with kind of running and uh mountain biking in in kind of like country park type stuff and there was a lot of them and then you you had the rat race scene, which was a big series of events running in the u k and they they you know they were getting nearly sort of a thousand people along to some of their events in London and Edinburgh and places like that they were big events so you know a lot of those are kind of the numbers have come down on those. We we run a series of five hour events during the winter, and um, they got up to about three hundred. They come down a bit in the last year, um, but you know, the, I suppose the big thing, you know, we, and I'm, I think I've heard this from some of the other people you've interviewed. You know, there's a lot more events out there, and you know, if I roll back ten years, there wasn't the road sportives. Obviously, there wasn't the obstacle course things. Um, you know, there wasn't. There was just wasn't the sort of number of events running as what there is day and so in some ways my competition in this country is not necessarily another adventure race is for people's time and for so many other things which people can do um so but conversely you know you take uh, you know there's kind of that sounds a bit depressing but actually for us in the uk i don't think it's i think it's doing pretty well the it has got 37 teams of four registered that's you know second to the world champs which is held in scotland in terms of numbers you know there's never been a bigger expedition race run in this country um and so you know from that point of view that that's great you know and we've had some amazing success with with some of those events it always does surprise me how how popular some of those events can be um you know i can put on a 24-hour race and i won't get 
you know that many people i put on a five-day full-on expedition race and i'll get more people doing that so um yeah perplexing to say the least i never really quite understood it and you know yeah. conversely we've got some great teams we've got a really good competition at top end you know it's you know as you know we've got adidas terex who compete here in the uk you know they won the world champs before and they've done events here in the uk and they've not always won you know there's other teams out there who are you know who have pushed them into second or third and so for me that's a good good quality top end field you know we've got running here in the uk and uh yeah i you know there is definitely a side when it gets out into the worlds and you've got you know then you know nathan's team and you know some of two day team and stuff like that who you know are really up there um you know maybe some of our other uk teams would be sort of top 15 top 10 but uh yeah i i'm I, i'm pretty excited by that and i think that's great we've got a good good scene running from that that end of things really so yeah 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 well let's let's we'll talk about it and then we there's a bunch of other things i want to talk but sure um so why don't you just give us an overview of the race what what is i read what it is but why don't you tell us because <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> I mean, ITR I mean, is it's an expedition race for us here in the UK. It's, it's five days, um, and the one we kind of move it around the, the country. So we've uh, obviously the previous iteration was in the called the Terex, and we did that in the Lake District, and then we moved to Scotland, and then this version, the ITR, is in Wales uh, this year. And, and the way which I kind of run events is I tend to work with a guest planner. And so first year it was a guy called Bruce Duncan who competes with Team Hagloffs. Um And in Scotland it was Nick Gracie who's part of Adidas Terex. Mm-hmm. And then this year I've got Tom Gibbs who's kind of planning this event. And, you know, Tom is arguably one of the best adventure racers yeah. in the world, I think. You know, a, amazing guy and, and I know him really well. He's a good friend. And he's, he's kind of planning this one with me. So to, the way it kind of works with me is that I guess um, – you know, these guys have got ideas, they've got passions, they've, they've got good ideas about what works well in an adventure race and what doesn't work so well for them. And, and I kind of temper that a little bit with practicalities of moving, you know, 160 bikes or yeah. getting, peop- getting people around or getting stuff around. And so we kind of work well together. And I think it's great because it then means that we get a bit of variety in the events. Uh, I think uh, years ago, because I've I put on a lot of events. I found that I was becoming a little bit too predictable with my <laughs> events, and and people kind of knew how James Thurlow would would plan an event, and so I started then very subtly in getting people to come along and help me out with my events and sort of planning them. And I would do all the legwork in terms of permissions and getting, you know, sorting out the transition areas. Yeah. But they would do the exciting stuff, and you know, of kind of working out we're going to put checkpoints and stuff and uh and it's worked well over years and and that's how we run our winter series we use volunteer planners and we work with them to come up with the idea of where where they want to run an event so you know in turn tom is is a great guy he knows wales extremely well and uh he's you know so for him you know it was it's been relatively easy actually for us to plan this event so it's been good yeah so i mean have all your co-planners been that way do you you try to find somebody from an area because obviously that that helps yeah. a lot when you you have no, that local knowledge yeah i mean it, it definitely makes works? yeah i mean it, that didn't occur in sterling i mean nick gracie's from london uh yeah. but i mean uh, you know he it, that, that was definitely harder with with you know for, for both me and nick to do the one up in scotland because you know we we have to do a lot more on the ground work mm-hmm either when I did in the Lake District, which is my home, or in Wales. But, yeah, on the whole, we, we try and, you know, for a lot of our other events, we work with people. As you know, that you know, I mean, only the other day, you know, Tom said, oh, we're going really close to this castle. Let's go and put a checkpoint there. I wouldn't have had a faintest idea that that castle was there. And, and you know, I drove past it yesterday. Amazing location to put a checkpoint. You know, <laughs> a quick phone call and why not? You know, let's go yeah. and do it. And, yeah. you know, that's the advantage of doing that, um, working with somebody locally. So, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. It's really exciting. I mean, it, yeah, it helps. You know, we the Rogaine World Championships are here in South Dakota, actually mm-hmm. the same weekend as your race. Yeah. And I'm out vetting, and it's literally my backyard. So, yeah. like, tonight after work, I'm going to run over and, you know, do a couple of points. So yeah. it's very handy when 
you can do that. You don't have to drive yeah, no, six hours to yeah. get there. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, so, yeah. No, it definitely yeah. makes a difference, really, um, to be able to have somebody a bit more local to that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, kind of, you want to walk us through what the race is going to be a little bit? So... Uh, I mean, yeah. you don't. We'll not get too, too specific. Like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but... I suffice to say, I mean, I suppose, um, I suppose uh, it's a ten stage. There is over a hundred kilometers of paddling in this, and you know, it's got a number of. It's got sort of three mountain stages in this. Um, I mean, it's probably worth just mentioning the format because, you know, it's slightly yeah. different from some of the other events around the world in that we're, um, the way in which we run the event is that there will be a full course and, um, and a full course team will always rank above any other team. And yeah. if a team, basically, if a team misses a checkpoint, they get short course and that, that checkpoint which they miss would would hold a, a time penalty. So if they decide not to go to the top of a mountain, it might be a sort of five, six-hour penalty. And um, we then, not not too many because it gets a bit too complicated, but we would then stick cutoffs during the event to ensure that the race moves along at a suitable pace, mm -hmm. mainly around paddling, to be honest, and the sort of, yeah. just because of the logistics of it. And so that means that we... You know, out of the 37 teams, we would hope to be about 10 or maybe, maybe, maybe it might be a few less. It just depends on the teams. But sort of that number would do the full course. And then the other teams are kind of effectively having to do a better strategy. And, to, you know, to be, it is harder on them in some ways because they've got to make judgments as to whether or not they're fit enough to go and get that point, you know, and how long it's going to take them um, to do yeah. that. But, yeah. you know, that that's slight, that that's kind of how it works. And it works really well. And. I mean, it's interesting listening to some of the other people on your podcast. You know, I guess I come from a philosophy is that I really want people to complete this event and mm -hmm. uh, to enjoy the journey. And and to be frank, as a business, is you know, I want people pay good money to come and do this, and and yeah. to be kicked out on the first day is just not it's not very pleasant for them. Um, so I'm I'm a great believer that really, you know, I need to actually tell them what's you know what they need to be able to achieve and what they need to be able to do but after that if, as long as they get on and do it they should really make it to cardiff you know and so it's a linear event it starts right at the top of wales and finishes right at the bottom down in cardiff and uh you know there's a few shortcuts on the way um and you know for a lot of teams i mean i remember hearing craig say this at the um in tasmania he says you know 80 percent of the teams will go into the into the event thinking of it as a race and 20% will see it as an expedition. And within two days, 80% will see it as an expedition and 20% will see it as a race. And, yeah. and, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And, you know, and, and our event is no different from that. I'm sure there's a lot of them in there which have got big ambitions about where they will be placed. And, you know, and to be honest, into the second day, they'll just be damn chuffed if they get to Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that kind of... And that, for me, that, that that's great. And we, we, we've got reasonably high of getting a large number of teams to, to the finish without uh, without kind of compromising their journey too much. And so all the kind of exciting stuff which we want to put in will make sure that the short course teams can all pick pick all those kind of exciting bits up. So, yeah, that's kind of yeah. the philosophy behind it. Whereas I'm pretty sure if you speak to someone like Michael Lordstrom, he, he's like, you know, it's got to be tough. It's got to be hard. It's got to break people. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, I can appreciate that, and maybe that's appropriate for some some of the world championship events. But for my events, that's that's not how I do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got to be a really hard because you got to make it hard enough for the for those top teams. But yeah, finding that balance and and also the I, I hate to use the word average team, but that's kind of what they are. They, you got to make it hard for them, but not, not stupid hard. Yeah, because <laughs> they, because they want to be challenged, right? Yeah, they do. And I think it's, um, it is a real fine line. And and I think, uh, you know, you've got to, you've got to be really careful that you don't get it wrong. You know, yeah. um, uh, because I think, you know, some people just, you know, if you're just sending them up and down mountains, you know, you know, they're kind of, it just becomes a bit silly, really, if you're just trying to extend yeah. their time, just, just just to add the distance in and yeah. I think it has to be a bit of a sense of purpose about it. And that's the great thing about a journey through Wales is that there is a real sense of journey through, through Wales. Um, but, 
Yeah, it, it is a tricky one. I mean, I don't want to dumb it down, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, it is a, it's an expedition race and there is a certain degree where you have to keep keep moving. Um, and, you know, yeah, we're definitely behind that. So, but I can't, I mean, I think the important thing is that people do pay to come and enjoy this journey. And, and you know, I've seen a number of events over the year where, where people have almost, you know, I've been, you know, effectively short course from the first day. I'm not going to name names, but I'm sure if you hear about it, you know, there are some yeah. big events around the world which it's just gone horribly wrong within the first 24 hours, and people have paid thousands of dollars to get there or be there have, have suddenly found themselves on the bench, and it just doesn't that doesn't sit well with me, I'm afraid. No, no, it's uh, yeah, yeah, you get it. it. Although you know, some teams they don't care about the finish line. They want to just get as far as they can, but I think the majority anymore, it's really important that they, they get a chance to cross the finish line and be some sort of a ranked team. And it's, yeah. I mean, cause that, is that the way you're set up? I mean, yeah, so, checkpoints, you'll still be yeah, you're still somewhere. Ranked. Yeah. You, you'll still be ranked, but you'll always be behind a full course team. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so you, you know, we've, uh, yeah, you, you effectively, we've got, uh, full course teams, got short course teams, and then you've got non-comp. And and something which we're doing differently. I mean, this is a quirky thing, and it might appeal to you, you know, to the adventure racing geeks, is that we're doing something strange with the bibs this year. So every team will go off with three red bibs and the team captain wearing a white bib. And as soon as they go to being a short course team, they need to swap that white bib for a black bib. So it's very clear to the other teams whether or not they're short course or long course, because that's been a bit of a problem when you do yeah. this kind of short cutting thing, is that you're not the teams are doing the full course, not quite sure who they're racing against type thing. So, um, oh. yeah. So hopefully that'll be a little bit clearer for teams doing the event. That, uh, um, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> we'll see well, how much in Pratt's guys. <laughs> it means I've had to buy another 37 bibs. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, I, think I mean, I think hopefully yeah. it'll work actually. I'm really, cause it, that's definitely been a criticism level. Just like you've got a top team racing hard cause they see a team behind them and they go and they suddenly realize that they've been really chuffing hard. And then they're actually not racing. You know, they're a short course yeah. thing. They missed a checkpoint out two days before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I, I'll bet you that catches on. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Um, so what's, what's your background? How did you get into this <laughs> foolishness? <laughs> Dear me. God, blimey. Turning back some stones there. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, um, my background is, actually, uh, my background is I used to work in emergency aid relief. Um, so I worked in war zones around the world. And I did that for uh, about seven years, um, traveling around the world to different places. And then I was based in London as kind of like a technical advisor for a quite a large charity. And um, I, in my kind of spare time, me and the guys who worked there, we, we entered one of these little events, um, uh, you know, just kind of fun three hour, four hour thing. And, uh, yeah. and I remember it was a guy called Paul Magna Trail Plus who runs events in the UK and it was one of his events. And uh, there was 20 teams there now. Um, and our team name was two fat gits and a smile. And I have to say, I was one of the fat gits. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had a great time. It was you know, good, just good fun. Um, uh, Paul's events rose from those 20 up to 300 teams at his peak. Um, so, you know, that, that's how things have changed. Um, and I did that. So I kind of dabbled in it and me and my wife, we, we kind of did a pair, um, uh, and got quite competitive in, um, a series of races, ace races, um, run by a guy called Phil Humphreys. And Phil was pretty much the guy that brought sort of adventure races into the UK and uh, and we competed in his two-day events, um, and he got he got very competitive. And I remember me and my wife uh, doing the first one and not being able to walk properly for a week. And, <laughs> you know, four years later, yeah. we won the mixed pair series, which was a really competitive series. Um, uh, so yeah, really, and so, I mean, sadly, that series got bought out by another company, and they didn't really sort of move it on. So um, I'm very you know, Phil's great. He he comes along and competes in our events now. Um, so uh, at the time, towards the end of that, um, I moved to the north of England to the Lake District, which is a, a beautiful place. And I mm -hmm. uh, moved on from my job in aid relief. Um, kind of, yeah, just just needed to move on from that kind of world. Yeah. And 
I had some qualifications in the outdoors, so I went freelanced with some outdoor companies. Hi, Randy. Did I get you back? Yeah, you got me back. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry, it's, uh, the wonders of free free Wi-Fi. Yeah. That kind of, uh, kicks you off so. every so Well, the so, good thing is, is I've learned, just let everything go, and then it's easy to sync up later. So last thing I heard is you were started doing some freelance work. Yeah, so I freelanced in the Lake District doing a bit of um, outdoor work. I've got my mountaineering qualifications and such like. And um, and a friend of mine asked me to help plan his events and for whatever reason it didn't work out. And I realized that nobody was doing these kind of events in North of England. So I kind of set up these five-hour events, this series of five-hour events. It's just part-time really. Mm. And I really, you know, I did a 24-hour event as well and it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And eventually I got asked to put on events for other people and, you know, I got a bit of sponsorship from different brands and, you know, I've done okay out of that over the years. And, and, you know, I suppose one of the big things obviously was getting Adidas come along and saying, look, you know, would you put on an expedition race for us? And, uh, you know, it just got a bit bigger and a bit bigger. And, uh, you know, so it's been, so from myself kind of like competing in it, I guess I've done less competing. I suppose the other, the other story is that, um, about two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So that kind of, that was a bit of a kick. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, kind of find that I don't have a working pancreas anymore. And, uh, uh, so that, that kind of makes things a little bit more interesting. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I've got into ultra running and, and I personally, uh, I ran 190 miles last year across the country, um, in four days, but you know, doing the adventure racing stuff is, uh, you know, just either. I'm putting on all the events, so yeah. there's not many, so many to compete in, but it's also a bit of a challenge with the type 1 diabetes as well. So, yeah. I suppose it is. I mean, is that, um, have you ever thought about putting together a, uh, you know, there is a type 1 cycling team in the U.S.? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, know, I know you're quite, probably. I know quite. I know quite a few of the type 1 diabetics who have gone into sport. I mean, oddly enough, when I did the run last year, I mean, there's one other guy in the UK who does a bit of ultra running, but pretty much nobody else. I mean, when I, I had a word with some top consultants in the UK, yeah. no, none of them knew of anybody who'd done anything more than a 50-miler who'd got type 1 diabetes. Now, that, that's, that's not the case in the States. There's definitely one, you know, a few type 1 yeah. diabetics who do stuff, and there's a guy in Australia, but it, it's not. It's not that common. It's partly because it's just so blooming hard to do it, yeah. you know, to get your blood sugars right. It's really, really hard work. Um, yeah. But I, li- I quite like that challenge. I, I suppose that that bit of me kind of like like thrives on that kind of aspect, of trying to get it to work. But it's uh, it's fraught with difficulty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I could imagine, you know, adventure racing would be even that much harder. At least, at least with running, you sort of know what you're your output is and what you're getting in and stuff yeah. and then adventure racing it's like i think yeah, yeah i mean i i think i was thinking about this the other day because i was wondering if this question might come up i'm like i think yeah. the the difficulty for myself is that and I, I think within a team and an adventure racing team you know if things are not going well for you you kind of pretty much have to just suck it up and get oh, on with it yeah and you know until there's two or three of you which are really struggling and then you stop and, and uh, i think the problem is with me is now if I start feeling a bit wobbly, I've really got to stop straight away. You know, mm-hmm. I can't. I, yeah, and, yeah. And, and almost the pace is, I've got to control the pace. And if I go off too hard and, you know, I mean, there's a, I did an event a few uh, few months ago and, and it's a 60 mile event. And, and I, unfortunately, I pulled out of it because I kind of got low blood sugars. And you get, on some of these events in the UK, the, the way they run is that if you get to darkness and it's in the mountains, they group you. So you get forced in with three other people. Oh. And this red group went off way too fast for me. And I just couldn't, my blood sugar started going down too fast. I was, unfortunately, I was using poles and you know the problem is with poles you just don't you don't eat as much yeah. as you should do really yeah. and uh and i just i was it i got to the next feed station that was the i was, I was out you know i was like uh it was too low for, i needed about two hours to get myself back up on track and that, that was it as the end of the game so uh, that's the problem if i compete in a team of four then it'd have to have a very understanding bunch of people yeah. around me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it would be it'd be an interesting experiment um you know, yeah, you yeah know. sure will be. <laughs> I have a friend of mine, Alex Flynn, who has um, early onset Parkinson's. Oh, wow. And 
he's been doing all these. He did a 10 million meters for for Parkinson's, and he's ultras everywhere. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see how he's embraced that. But you know, yeah. it's a little different than uh, your blood sugar going down. I mean, it's it's obviously it's got its own challenges, but so yeah. it's kind of inter- interesting uh, to yeah. to see how you're dealing with it. I mean, so obviously you're probably going to keep competing, doing something, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, you know, I'm, and I'm doing a 50 miler in three weeks' time, so, you know, um, I still compete, and I still like doing that, um, I guess, um, and, you know, and I probably will continue to do the old multi-sport events and stuff, um, but I think, uh, just, I guess the context of it's slightly different, and, and who I do it with, I, I enjoy doing stuff with my wife, Lisa, we're, you know, we're very similar, and she understands what's going on, it's great, um, Whereas I've been I've been cycling or I've been running with other people and you know I think you know for me type one diabetes is, is something which rules my day and yeah. it, it takes everything which I do, you know everything I eat from driving from what I'm doing now um you know it constantly dictates what I'm doing and obviously other people they kind of forget about that and <laughs> try and get me to go faster or you know yeah. or come on do this James and you know it is it, it just it's it's just a big thing, big part of my life really now. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I'm very, I think I'm very fortunate really that if it happened sort of four or five years ago, I don't actually believe that Open Adventure would be still around because I just wouldn't have been able to get out to the mountains when I first got diagnosed. Um, you know, I just didn't have the, the right blood sugar control. I'm better now, but, um, yeah. you know, at the time sort of, you know, three or four years ago when the event, you know, my company was growing and it would have been very difficult. I would probably have had to find another job. So I'm very fortunate now that I've got people around to help me. Yeah. And and obviously it's a growing experience experience for you. Um, Why you embrace it? Because what else can you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, you have to be pretty positive about it. And and I I am. I'm sort of pretty much can do, you know, just get on and do it. But it does change your life. And I think there's a number of diabetics out there who kind of very much want to carry on life as normal and you can't do that. You know, yeah. it's like having kids. You can't carry on. It's different. It's, it's just different. That's all it is. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's like Paulette and her back. People are always asking her, oh, you're, 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 you're better now. Well, no, yeah. her back hurts all the time, but yeah. you know what? It's better when she's out running or paddling or whatever. So why wouldn't you? So yeah. yeah. You just, no. you just, you just keep after it. So, yeah. Um, all right. So here's a variation of my standard question. Mm-hmm. My, sta- my standard question is, what's the best six hours you ever had racing? How sure, yeah, yeah. What's the what's your best six hours you ever had as a race director? <laughs> I did. I mean, I've got. I get a real kick out of seeing people cross the line, and uh, I, you know, I know it's difficult. You know, I've had some great experiences of seeing people cross the line, and some people who never thought they would make it. You know, from teams which have rung me up, you know, like nine months before, like absolutely petrified is this a really stupid idea me doing this expedition race and then you know nine months later i'm hanging a medal around the neck and they're just like they're beaming from ear to ear yeah i, I mean there's another caveat i'm not answering your question directly but um, you know this is a cheesy thing which craig says but craig says his his job title is uh in memory maker and i kind of love that title yeah. you know that's what we are we're, we're memory makers you know us race directors it's a bit cheesy but there's a real a real caveat there. I love that. Um, so I suppose, yeah, um, I love taking people on a journey and I love people seeing achieve a lot more than what they thought they could do. So I guess the first Terex expedition race was a great, great experience seeing people at the finish line and, and that, that was a massive success really. So yeah, that's probably one of my favorite times. Yeah. Well, of course, then you know what the next question is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Race directors (laughs) don't tell you the answers to this. What's the worst six hours? Yeah. yeah. Oh God. You know, we don't have any worse six hours. We're we're kind of everything's going fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know what? I might no. I'd probably let you slide on that. But I know. I, I mean, seriously. I think um, you know, I've had a couple of moments where things have not gone well. I think. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, we've had some kit go wrong once, twice, which is just kind of so it's not very pleasant. Yeah. Um, I've. You know, this is being very open and honest. We we work a lot with sort of uh, technical advisors, you know, water safety and people like that. And, and once or twice I've been sort of kind of held to ransom by some of these guys, you know, either wanting more money or yeah. or kind of, 
want to change their hours they're working or something like that. And that's all very horrible. You know, it's just not nice. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff, I don't like that at all. Or, or permissions, somebody wanting a lot of money. You know, I had, I had one landowner kind of agree for us to use a caving section on an event and, you know, literally the week before wanted like one and a half, two thousand dollars, you know, just, you know, just, just before the start of the event. So, you know, that kind of stuff's not nice, Yeah. but you know, I mean, that, that's part of what I do. You know, a friend of mine says that, you know, James, your job is pulling rabbits out of hats. That's what I do. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, I'm been doing it a while now and I guess I, I can kind of look at the bright side of it and stuff and yeah. get through it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? That's, that's the business side and that happens in everything, you know, as long as yeah, the races go good and the people are happy, you know, it's, that's, yeah. it is what it is. So, um, yeah. So do you have a long-term plan for iTerra? Do you, I mean, you can do it for a few years or what do you, what are you thinking about with so, it? So we run that event every other year. Um, okay. Uh, so the next event will be in 2016. Um, I spent four days in a location. I'm not going to announce it quite yet because um, I need to get it a bit rubber stamped. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, we've got a plan and we should have like even a video pulled together for ready for this year's event, um, ready for 2016 to promote 2016. And even then I've got in mind what we'll do in 2018. I suppose the question would be, you know, would we run the world champs? You know, have we got that aspiration to do yeah. that? Um, you know, th there's a sense of pride. I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd yeah. love to bring it um, to the UK. Um, it's a lot of money, and that kind of you can't get that from from uh, from competitive fees. You, you need to get yeah. financial support, from a sponsor, or a council or something. And that kind of public money's not really around in this country at the moment. It's just it's just still dried it's just, up. Forever. Yeah, it's just not there. Yeah. I mean, do you? I mean, obviously, there's probably some private companies that could do a world championship, but do you think, kind of right now, it is a, if you don't have a government entity behind it, you're probably not going to make it happen? I don't think so. I mean, we, we were fortunate with Adidas. You know, Adidas was the kind mm. of brand which could, could, you know, give the financial backing to that kind of thing or, you know, or, or Red Bull or... Someone, one of those companies. I think it's possible. It's just, you know, they have to kind of see the benefits from it yeah. and and buy into it. And and that's really hard because, you know, it's very. It is not easy sometimes communicating what event racing is and what the passions yeah. are. And you know, I kind of, I think we've, we, it's, we've not always done a great job of communicating that. And I think sometimes it's not. Um, I think we've got work to do really. And I'm kind of hopeful. You know, we're we're hoping to get our, our start covering our event on Discovery Channel this year, and you know that kind of stuff makes a big difference. If you can mm -hmm. kind of make those breaks, then I think uh, you know suddenly those opportunities might open up. Really, yeah. So yeah, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see see what happens. But I, I mean, you're definitely right. You, to be able to at least that kind of money to put on the world champs, and it's just it's just hard to get it without without yeah. kind of money and that's you know i don't know i guess it's the same in the states as well that that kind of money doesn't throw around from public, public no state. yeah yeah there's not a lot of it around um so let, let's let's talk a little bit about coverage because that's kind of what interests me um hello oops are you hello randy are you sorry still? yeah i'm sorry about that i'm here you're here we're good okay um so yeah so um so you you sort of got saying you got discovery kind of interested do you yeah. think that um adventure racing really needs tv or yeah. would a big internet presence do the same thing yeah no it needs tv i mean i i know the numbers think, behind yeah. The, the, yeah. the internet coverage for the world champ stuff and they are amazing yeah okay so yeah. Uh, just going back uh, you know do we need the internet or tv I mean, I know the numbers behind the internet, and you know they're yeah. big numbers for the for the world champs and stuff, but they're completely dwarfed by the coverage which you can get with TV. You know, we can, you know, the the events which we put on, we've had them syndicated around the world, and you know, it's in the millions which are watching those programs, and you yeah. don't get millions of people watching it online. It's you know, it's tens of thousands, yeah. rather millions. And I think in terms of a brand being able to get exposure, be it a tourism association or you know, a sports brand or an outdoor brand, you know, TV is, is a great way to be able to carry that message. Um, and also it just communicates it a lot better than 
you know, than a leaderboard and better tracking. Um, I think. Yeah. You know, and and I'm, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm one of the guys which puts those websites together. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and I, I know all about that, and 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 I've got a passion for making it work really well. Um, but I totally get that, you know, and some of the stuff, you know, your video type stuff. I think, you know, that there's a powerful tool there, and I think um, that really makes a big big difference to be able to convey that to to the, a lot of the people which are, are um are trying to watch what's going on with adventure racing trying to communicate it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well it's interesting to know that you know tv still is king because you know what i have found is I, I hardly i really don't put anything together after a race because nobody watches it yeah you know they they like seeing the daily stuff and mm -hmm. and you know that update the stuff but after a race you know, I put together two minute, three minute thing after Untamed New England, and I think maybe ten people have watched it. So, yeah, it, it's kind of you know, race is over. Let's move on. But uh, yeah, no, you're definitely right. And I've done these video little things after our events and stuff, and the numbers are not not great, especially when you yeah. spend quite a few thousand dollars putting it together. Yeah, and and it is that live stuff during the event does work. But I think in terms of being able to get it onto TV, I yeah. think. You know, um, I think there's immense power. That might change. You know, 10 years' time, we might be joking about this and going, well, you know, it's all on demand and, you know, just, yeah. you know, it's, it's a completely different story. But certainly for the moment, I would say, you know, getting it on the big network channels and stuff it's, is it's still a thing. Yeah. It's still important. You know, uh, um, and I think that's and I why, think we... you know, I keep hearing people on your podcast talk about the Eco Challenge and Primal Quest and stuff. And I think that's what caught people's imagination. It it would never have done the same, okay, even if the internet had been a bit more powerful than what it is. Yeah. But it's largely because it was on TV. That's what caught people. Um, yeah. I mean, and it, hey, it, TV makes it look sexy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can tell a lot of stories. Um, and uh, sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. It does make me wince occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they have got an amazing job to try and communicate sometimes a very complicated event into 25 minutes or whatever it is. And yeah. it can be a bit of a challenge. So, yeah. Well, you know, in probably another five years, we can give every team, you know, four wearable live cameras yeah. and people can pick their stream, you know, 24 yeah. hours a day. And, yeah. and that's maybe. I mean, I was amazed. You know, we live streamed the symposium at Untamed New England, and mm. you know, for for two people with a rudimentary internet connection at best. Yeah. I I I mean, really, five years ago, how complicated it would have been to do a live yeah, yeah. anything? So you yeah. know, another five years, we it's 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 pretty amazing what we'll we'll be seeing. But and then we got to put little RFID chips in everybody, so. And we have real life tracking of everything they're doing the whole race, and <laughs> see, it's it's it, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, as you know, I do the World Champs website, and um, we're losing those guys. And I think the challenge for us, though, you know, we know this from the figures, is not there's a lot of people go and visit those websites, but they don't navigate that far off the home page. So, you know, we've really looked hard at what content we put on that homepage to try and get them to look a little bit more in detail about what's going on. And, you know, yeah. they do kind of browse around and they look at stuff, but it do, they really don't go that far into the website on the whole, a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge there for how we do that. So, mm. um, so all right, give me some tips because I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. So give me some info, because I'm going to go to the Cowboy Tough next week, sure. you know, four days in Wyoming. And I've been trying to, I think what I'm going to try and do is get some racer interviews and just put them out during the race on the sure. uh, on their tracking page and see if that helps. Instead of, you know, putting stuff out beforehand, because we'll see. But got any got any secret tips to make that a little better? <laughs> I, think those, <laughs> I think those sound bites from all of those teams uh, and, you know, those teams which are, you know, not always at the top. I mean, I think there's far yeah. too much concentration on those kind of top teams. Yeah. As much as I've got a bunch of good mates who are in those top teams, I do like to hear the stories and some of the amazing stories of people of, of what else has happened within the event. Yeah. And I think a lot of adventure racers want to hear those stories. I think sometimes yeah. we can be a little bit elitist in, in our kind of PR of an event. And, uh, you know, it's all about and, and almost – the problem is that we almost, with that kind of approach, we almost distance the regular adventure racer because it's just, you know, when you start hearing some of the training regimes of these top guys and then, you know, a lot of people are just going out there to have fun and 
to enjoy it and to go for it. So, I mean, for me, it, you know, it is that it's hearing that story about that guy who's like, you know, 50, 60 or whatever it is, you know, going for it and, you know, and, yeah. you know, the generation team or whatever it is, you know, it's just kind of, I love those stories. I love, love that kind of yeah. how they got there type thing or that person who got dragged in a week ago, whatever it is, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff is, <clears throat> is great stuff. Um, yeah. Or, you know, like people that have type one diabetes and are still <laughs> running 190 miles, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, this is, this is what really amazes me is, you know, after, you know, since Oh nine and primal quest and trying to do video and, and pictures. And yeah, the, the first thing that actually is really kind of working is podcasting and audio. Yeah. But it makes sense. Cause people, you know, they go out for their workout and they can listen to it. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's the big difference. So yeah, you know, and yeah. I tried. I did some more audio things at Untamed just because, you know, there was a day there where we couldn't get to any of the teams. So I was just pulling stuff out of my ass, making up stuff, and yeah, and uh, I think that kind of worked. So yeah, you know. it's just, we did. We had somebody do some little video clips in Sterling, and I must admit, it didn't the soundbite video clips. And this girl did quite a lot of them. And it was almost too much. It didn't quite work. You know, when we look at the YouTube views on it, it's horrific. It's really low stuff. So yeah. I think it is a case of getting that kind of not too much, but some really good yeah. good bites, sound bites to, to generate yeah. it. Um, and, yeah, I think some just some really impressive video footage of what they're actually out there doing, communicating yeah. it. I think sometimes, you know, just trying to convey that, especially in an expedition race or even, I'm not sure, the format of Cowboy Tough, but, you know, the, the distances involved and the hours which they do stuff and some of the quirky stories, you know, where did you sleep, you know? Was it in a, yeah. was it in a dustbin or was it in a telephone box or where, where yep. was it, you know, <laughs> see, in the church floor which happened to be open or where, you know, those stories, I think, are just hilarious as long as they're not illegal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, yeah. Well, it's, you know, we're all working at it and hopefully we'll come up with a, with the uh no, that's great yeah yeah just bring it in just bring everything into one place so people can find it and then yeah you know maybe they'll go out and you know and then of course you know then we're all starting well does the course have internet yeah you know? yeah no definitely i mean it's improving a lot i mean well it's, I, again i don't really know from from where you are but i know you know i've done events throughout the uk for you know obviously 10 years and and every year i go back to some of these places that you know the mobile signal is improving and yeah. you know and you know a lot more cafes have got internet and stuff like that you know yeah. three or four years ago you'd walk into a coffee shop in scotland or whatever it is and they just look at you as if you've got two heads if you ask yeah. Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know whereas now it's kind of been a bit more you know if you haven't got wi-fi then don't expect to sell much coffee um so yeah which is a bit more yeah. norm so yeah i think it it's becoming easier and and there's definitely technology out there to to make make it work you know, I know that from my aid worker days, you know, and that's like, if you're willing to spend the money, you can do it. Um, yeah. So it's not, it's not impossible. It's just how much it costs to do it. That's, and, you know, having sat in the middle of a desert in the middle of Africa, um, streaming internet 10 years ago, I know it's full well, it's possible to do it today. It's just how much <laughs> money you're willing to spend on it. That's the problem. So. That, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, well, it's just money, right? It's money, yeah. That's the thing in it, you know, and making it affordable. I mean, that, for me, that's the big thing about IT and very quietly is that we don't have really any financial assistance on this event so trying to make it cost neutral and not you know not cost us money and uh, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a challenge this year um, because obviously we don't have the adidas behind us so yeah it's gonna yeah. be an interesting challenge and it's an interesting challenge for any of the race directors out there and i i kind of you know some of the events which are getting the kind of low numbers uh you know it's astounded that they can still pull it off really i i can't quite fathom it really it's amazing yeah, yeah. it's it's you guys do an amazing job. <laughs> just kind of put it at that. So. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, cool. But so, um, you know, Itera, we'll uh, we'll put up all the links to the sure. website and yeah, and we'll have all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, any anything else? Anything else that I haven't brought up that we should talk about? Um, no, I think uh, I think. I think that's all good, really. I think, uh, yeah. yeah, if anybody's interested in coming along for one of our expedition races, have a look at itera.co.uk. Um, we, yeah. On the alternate year, we do a multi-sport, a bit more of a multi-sport adventure race, which goes coast to coast. So that will happen next year. 
Um, been very fortunate. We had Stuart Lynch come and do it a couple of years ago, and he absolutely blitzed everybody around here. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's some it's great, some good events running in the UK. We're very sport actually. We've got a lot of events running. It's pretty much most weekend you can go do a rogaining type event, you know, mountain marathon or a uh, you know mountain bike event. There's lots of stuff going on. Um, we're very fortunate really for that. So, yeah, it's good. I think people yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, which reminds me, the one thing, running the race every two years. Do you? I mean, it probably takes that long, but is does that seem like a good model? And because I think a lot of races are are starting to do that, either you know, eighteen months or two years. I think um, you know, a number of years ago, a different company put on the, what was called the Wilderness Arc, and they ran it for three years up in Fort William, and um, and and you know, it did two years and it culminated in the World Champs, which was a mixed event depending on who you talk to, um, and. Uh, what I saw from that as somebody else who wasn't running that event, uh, I saw, you know, uh, was that people got a bit burnt out from it after the three years. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of like wanted a rest after doing those yeah. three years events. And uh, and it didn't, you know, if they ran a 40 year, I'm pretty damn sure the numbers would have dropped like a stone. Um, I just instead of just because of the amount of time and investment people were putting into it. Now, I know that there's teams out there who go and do three or four expedition races a year and that, that's that's their world but for the average per team which is not sponsored by a brand or anything else like that it's a big financial commitment there's a lot of training involved a lot of upskilling and i've just found that it, you know well it's kind of shown that each year our numbers are going up each each time we put on an expedition race it's sustainable and people are getting excited about it so i kind of personally find that it makes it more sustainable by doing it that way i definitely find that in the off year, you know, there's teams going off to some of the European races, and that's great. Um, but I think uh, for me, I, I, you know, I just find that it's, and also for me, it's just so much time involved with putting these events on. Yeah. You know, it's hours, <coughs> literally hours and hours and hours yeah. of work. And them. days and days and nights and nights. And yeah, I, you know, and a lot of time away from my family and stuff, you know, and, and yeah. I just, I think for me to keep interest into it, it it would become quite hard work to try and do it year after year after year. Even though I'm very efficient at it now, um, I think uh, I just, you know, just to try and put it off every year would be quite hard work. Um, <laughs> so I quite, and it also gives me the, uh, uh, the option to be able to switch it with my other passion is this multi-sport coast-to-coast event, which I run. Yeah. So I run that on the alternate year. Um, and, uh, you know, teams in the UK have kind of got their head around that calendar for the, you know, they understand how that works. So, yeah. I, conversely, I know one uh, magazine, quite a big magazine in the UK, won't cover our event because we're not running it every year. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I mean I'm not going to sort of jump to just because that magazine doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't like it that way. But that, that's, um, that's just the way it is. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what do you, what do you say? Not, not everybody is, not everybody graduated the top of journalism school. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah, so. leave it to leave it at that. But I, yeah. I, I mean, in some ways, I, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's not a secret. I mean, one of the other barriers to us doing the, um, the world champs is that at the moment the way the world champs is structured is that it always runs in October, November, December. So it allows yeah. the kind of calendar year for for the events to run. We wouldn't run an event up this far north in the northern hemisphere at those that time of year it's just the weather's just too foul that would yeah um, might not be that much fun no no definitely <laughs> not um i mean it, it, we get mixed weather conditions as it is and you know that that would be pushing it so i think you know for me i you know i keep nibbling away at craig to try and change it to sort of something more akin to what he does with his xpd or something like that um, and yeah. it's every 18 months but i don't know people like to have that tag that they were world champs in 2013 or whatever it is and I can understand yeah. that. So, yeah. So, oh. well, well, you know, I say good luck for the race. I think, uh, yeah, that's going to be pretty, pretty cool. I'm anxious to to watch it. I'll be, yeah, a little, a little bit busy that weekend, but I'll get a sure. chance. To, I think there's a few teams. I mean, I know Mark Lazanzi. How do you pronounce his surname? Yeah, yeah, he's coming across to do it. He did the one in Sterling, and uh, yeah. he's got a few of his guys. Odyssey's coming across, so you have to yeah. pick their brains and then go and ask them how it is, and get get the honest opinion from those guys uh, rather than hear it from the race director. <laughs> well, my friend uh, JD is racing with Mark, and oh yes, I, yeah. it's uh, I. I, I've neglected to have him on the podcast yet, even though we 
we always have dinner or breakfast somewhere at races together. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have him on after, and he'll tell us the real story. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll get <laughs> – oh, dear. Um, I'm sure there'll, there'll be a... – Maybe you need to get somebody else on. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm sure you know they. There's some the, the guys certainly. Uh, the guys who came across last time when we did stay, they just loved it. I think you know. I think we're we're very fortunate in this country. We've got a lot of history, you know, the castles and things like that. We've been able to do a lot of stuff, which is, uh, you know, is a bit unique. That one of the things which we like to do in the country, you know, like Wales, is showcase Wales, or, or you know, as I did in Scotland. I want people to come out. They go, "Bluminate, we've been to Scotland, or we've we've really seen Wales." And uh, you know, sticking them in a, a heavily wooded area or something like that doesn't really showcase the country. So hopefully they'll come away from it thinking, "Wow." It's an amazing country. It's got a great, great history. It's got great culture and stuff like that. So, yeah, more than just looking at for little boxes in the woods somewhere. <laughs> yeah, trying to bushwhack through the top of a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes it means to an end, but I don't. I don't think people remember those experiences with positive <laughs> memories. No, not necessarily. So. No, definitely not. Well, James, I want to thank you. I think we've wasted enough of your time. You, sure. You're on your way. Let you get back to the get to the family so. yeah yeah halfway home so um i'll set off again so so well, that's uh great so well you know what we say go fast take chances another <laughs> i think i think you got you should say that to a race director take chances yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i think i can't uh i can't take credit for picking you but because you uh got in touch with me but yeah great. I keep saying it, but this was a good one. Oh, thanks very so. much. Yeah, no, and uh, keep in touch, you know, and if you need to contact any other UK racers, I'll have to get Tom or Nick Gracie or some of them. We've got some amazing female racers in the UK, you know, Sally Azan and those guys are amazing. So, yeah, you have to yeah. give us a shout if you want any of those guys on. I'll, I'll go and twist their yeah. arm for you. Yeah, actually, yeah, after the race. I, I really like kind of being current. Yeah. So, you know, the next couple of weeks I'll do some Cowboy Tough, and then after your race I definitely would like to, you know, I'll probably talk to J.D., but, mm. you know, find maybe it's like a local yeah, local so, person. Yeah. You know, that it, uh, it would would be interesting to talk. So yeah. um, we'll kind of kind of keep up with that and and uh, let people know how it went. Yeah, no, maybe there's uh, Gary Davis, who's one of the, the great racers. He uh, he does a lot of our events. He lives down in, in down in South Wales as well. He's very Welsh, and so yeah, maybe he can give me a bit more, bit more of an in, insight into Wales as well. So yeah, just a shout. So, oh, cool. Well, all right. So drive safe and don't take any chances. And we'll talk to you later. Okay. Cheers. All right. Thank you. Bye. Mitch Mitchell on drums. And the man with the guitar, Jimmy Hendricks. Thank you very much for showing up, man. Y'all are really beautiful and out of sight. And thanks for the It has been a long time, hasn't it? That does mean peace, not this. <laughs> peace. Okay, give us about a minute to tune up, all right? Give us, give us about a minute to tune up. with a thing that everybody knows out there. You can join and start singing. Matter of fact, it sounds better if you stand up for your country and your beliefs and start singing. If you don't, fuck you. <laughs> 